You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Um, we're going to dive into God's Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 1. Really, really excited this morning to kick off the Christmas season with you all. I know you were dreaming of a white Christmas, and we got it, so you can check that box. We're set. I'm good. I'm glad when I don't have to pull out my uh, snowblower, so those are good, good winters for me, but not everybody. You all were hoping for a white Christmas. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start a series called Come and See, a series of messages over this Christmas season. We're going to be highlighting... These miraculous mile marker moments in the story of Christ coming to earth. The story just flooded with the miraculous. But really, it's those miraculous moments that really pale in comparison to the greatest miracle, the miracle of miracles, the revelation of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, making a way to bridge the gap, to bring you and I into right relationship with him. And so the miraculous is miraculous, but it really pales in comparison to the greatest miracle. And I want our hearts to be moved. I want us to be awakened to the real miracle of Christmas, which is you and I being in right relationship with God through his son. And so there's one key verse that we're going to highlight over the next several weeks. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10, it says this, concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look." He said the prophets over millennia, they prophesied and they anticipated this day the revelation of the Messiah, the Son of God. And then these heavenly beings, it's like they peered down from heaven. It's like heaven lost its breath for a moment as the Son of God was revealed to humanity. You and I, we live in a day and age when, when the Son of God, God's redemptive plan has been revealed. And this, we live in a miraculous moment, a miraculous day. The year 2018, this is a day of miracles. This is the day on which angels long to look. The revelation of the Son of God, the revelation of Jesus, his plan to draw you into relationship with himself. It's the day the prophets gave their life for. It's the day the angels long to look upon. It's today. So come and see. We're going to look at the miracles of the Christmas story Luke chapter 1, this morning I want to share a message with you entitled Miraculous Favor. We're going to look at the story of Mary, the miraculous favor upon her life. It is truly miraculous, but I'm hoping it stirs in your heart how it even pales in comparison to the favor now upon your life because of Jesus. Yes, even the favor upon Mary's life pales in comparison to the favor now upon your life because of Jesus. It's truth. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall, con- and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him a gift to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So the angel ended his interaction with Mary by saying, Nothing will be impossible with God. The story that's beginning to unfold here just clearly indicates, clearly declares to humanity that there's a God that supersedes all. Yes, he's set set in order a, a certain natural order of things, but he is a God of the miraculous. He's a God of the impossible. There's nothing that is impossible for God. Hope you'll see that this Christmas season in your life. So this Christmas season, I want you to come and see God's miraculous favor. God's miraculous favor upon your life. In three ways, I want us to see God's favor through Mary's, through Mary's story. One is this, come and see God's favor, which is given to you. It's given to you. This is for you. God doesn't look beyond you and just look to the person behind you. It's not just for the person on your left or the person on your right. This is a favor for you. You may not feel favored, but as you find yourself in Jesus and his sufficiency, you'll discover the favor of God. You see, in verse 29, this angel Gabriel, one of God's highest ranking angels, appears to Mary and says, hey, Mary, what's up? You are favored. And it says in verse 29 that she's troubled by this. She's disturbed by it. In the next, in two verses later, um, the angel says, there's nothing for you to be afraid of, for you are favored. But I want to ask you this question. Are you, trouble, are you troubled by God's favor upon your life? Does it disturb you? Does it move you? Does it compel you? Fact, the fact that God looks upon you through his son and says, you're favored. As you place your faith and your sufficiency in him, he says, you're favored. Does that trouble you? Or has it become just kind of common, common knowledge? Have you grown numb to it? The fact that he says you are favored. Maybe you've been in a crowd, maybe this size, this place, hold, this auditorium holds around 250 people. And in an auditorium like this, if I were to choose just one of you out of this place, all of a sudden you'd, you'd know, it would be obvious, I'm recognized. I'm no longer anonymous. Or maybe you've been in a crowd much larger than this, thousands of people, Maybe the speaker will call out one person. I'm not going to do that right now because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But you, one person is called out. 
No longer anonymous, no longer hiding in the mass of nameless faces, that person's been called out. Or maybe you've been, put your name in a hat for a drawing before. Many times we're, we're never picked, right? But that one time you're picked, your name is drawn out of the hat. You're the winner today. I have a father-in-law who inevitably always wins the drawings. I don't know how he does. He always enters his names in the drawings at the big box stores and the home improvement stores. And he's won TVs and snowblowers and gift cards and money to give away to people. It's just a camcorder. I mean, it's so funny. This guy, he's favored. He puts his name in there. You know, he's going to pick it. But it's just like that. It's like the name is drawn out of the, out of the, the mass of names. The name is drawn. That's favor. Or maybe, you, maybe, you have, maybe you're scarred from your childhood from the, the elementary playground being picked for dodgeball or kickball. Maybe you're always the last one picked, or maybe you're not picked at all. But when you're the first one picked, you're favored. You're the first one. You're like, I'm, 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 I'm number one. I'm the top dog in the playground. I have a second grader, second grade uh, boy right now that comes home almost every single day with some story about how it went down on the playground around uh, soccer and football. There's always a lot of drama around it, kind of some new arch nemesis on the playground. Maybe you're scarred by that in your life. But if you're picked first, you're the favorite. You're favored. Any of those instances highlight the significance of being picked. And you could imagine Mary, as she's in a little old Nazareth, a tiny village of a few dozen families in very insignificant Galilee, really a hard working class fishing region of Israel, insignificant Israel, and tucked away in insignificant Galilee, Galilee is insignificant Nazareth. And then the, the angel Gabriel, high, one of the highest ranking angels of God, comes to her. You could imagine she'd be like, You're picking me? Are you, are you sure you're not in the wrong address? You're picking me? She's troubled by it. She's moved by it. I, I want to ask you, are you troubled by the favor of God? That he picks you. Do you try to shirk that, avoid that? Maybe it feel, makes you feel uncomfortable. She felt uncomfortable with the fact that God had chosen her as favored. And I want you, this Christmas season, to picture a holy God standing before humanity. And he picks you. He picked you to be alive today in this day and age. Acts 17 says he, he picked the times and the places by which you would live. That you might reach out to him, seek him, and find him. So I'm not going to get into the sovereignty of God and why some people have a harder time even being able to hear the gospel. But all I can tell you is you have an opportunity to hear. And you have the revelation of Jesus clearly before you. And so a holy God is standing before humanity and he's saying, you're favored. We have to respond, but he's saying you're favored. It's given to you. He's picking you first for his holy kickball team. He's picking you out of the drawing. He's picking you out of the masses. You're not a nameless face to him. He's saying, I've chosen you. You're favored. So a few chapters later in Luke chapter 4, as Jesus is starting his ministry, I'm not just pulling this out of obscurity. This is what Jesus said himself he's going to do with his ministry. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
to what? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what you and I, we live within. We live in this this period of time categorized by the Lord's favor. Because you and I, we have a picture, we have a revelation of God's plan of redemption. It's the year of the Lord's favor. It's for you, it's given to you, it's given for you. He's calling your name this Christmas season, he's calling your name today. He's chosen you. So second is this, come and see God's favor, which is given to you, which is despite you. That's right. We've done nothing to earn it. You had nothing to do with it. The fact that you were alive today and you have the opportunity to hear the message. You have the opportunity to turn and have relationship with God. It's actually despite us. We've done nothing. We've, we've done a lot more to actually distance ourselves from God than do anything to bring ourselves to him. It's despite us. And Mary is a clear picture of that, being a virgin. Literally, biologically, she had done nothing to receive the Christ child. She had done nothing. Yes, it was a picture of the holiness, of it superseding the natural way of things. But in a picture of grace, she did nothing. Around 14 or 15 years old, she had done nothing. And not only that, she was from Nazareth. Nothing good came from Nazareth. So it wasn't because she came from the right place and the right family and and worked her way up some ladder to say, hey God, and got God's attention somehow. No, she did nothing. It was despite her actually. It was despite the fact that she was from Nazareth. That God takes the weak things of this world to shame the strong. So in God, where we come from, doesn't affect where God wants to take us. Our origin story doesn't have any bearing on our destiny in God. So you're not disqualified from the favor of God because of where you came from. He calls you favored because of Jesus. As you place your faith in Jesus and you see your sufficiency in him, he can look upon you and say you're favored. doesn't matter what your family lineage is. Doesn't matter if you came from the wrong side of the railroad tracks, if you came from the wrong family, if you came from a righteous family or an unrighteous family, if you came from a family of addictions. God looks upon you because of Jesus and he says you're favored. It's actually despite you. We get an interesting picture of the sentiment around Nazareth in John chapter 1. As Jesus is calling Philip and Nathanael to himself, Philip first encounters Jesus. This is going to be on the screen, so you don't, I'm, I'm not meaning for you to turn all over. You can do it if you want to. We'll do sword drills, but um, it's, it's going to be on the screen as well. John chapter 1, Jesus had already called Philip. Philip is, his eyes are open to the revelation of the Savior, the Messiah. This Jesus of Nazareth, he's the real deal. So he goes to his brother Nathaniel. He's like, we got, we got to go. You, I, I need you to go meet this Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Messiah. He's the one we've been anticipating. So verse 45, it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said exactly what we're saying this Christmas season. He said, come and see. Just come and see for yourself. 
just come and see. And it's in that place then that Nathanael gets led to Jesus, and Jesus uses a sign and a wonder. He uses a miracle to lead him to the greatest miracle, the miracle of miracles himself. He uses a word of knowledge, and he says, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathanael. I can't wait to get to heaven someday and ask Nathanael, what did you say under the fig tree? Because it's not, it's not told to us what happened. But he said something under the fig tree, or he did something under the fig tree. I don't know if it was some prayer or some, some plea for, uh, to the Lord that he, he said under the fig tree. But God saw him, and Jesus had his number. He picked his number that day. He picked his name out of the hat. He said, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel. God's calling us individually. He has such a beautiful, unique way of calling us individually to himself. But Nathaniel's initial opinion about Nazareth was, that's the wrong side of the railroad tracks. There's nothing good that comes from Nazareth. So maybe you come from an insignificant line, an obscure town. Maybe you think where you come from, there's nothing good that can come from that place. It's not what God's story says for your life. Is the favor of God is upon you because of Jesus. I'm so thankful that our origin stories don't impact our destinies in God. So thankful for it. Are you thankful this morning? God's so good. He's so good. He's so gracious. He's so merciful. Romans chapter 1, or sorry, Romans chapter 5, highlights the undeserved privilege that we have. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access, access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And the New Living Translation says, we've received undeserved privilege by faith, that's how we stand before a holy God. It's this undeserved privilege. It's despite us. It's not because of anything that we have done. I hope you can recognize God's favor upon your life. In my own story, I'm thankful that God plucked me out of the chaos. He said, I have a different story for you, Drew. Come from a generations of alcoholism. Many who took their own life from, from uh, suicide and alcoholism, destructive uh, lifestyles. I'm thankful for God's favor upon my life. That he'd say, I got a different story for you, Drew. I have favor for your life. So I don't know what it is for your life. Maybe you've felt like a mistake. Maybe people have told you you were a mistake. Just be thankful for God's favor upon your life. Recognize his favor on your life. And he's looking at you and he's saying, I choose you. I'm picking you. This is the year of the Lord's favor for your life. And thirdly, so come and see God's favor, which is given to you despite you. And thirdly, it's bigger than you. Gabriel emphasizes the significance of this moment to Mary. Remember, she's 14 or 15 years old. At 14 or 15 years of age, we don't have a whole lot of appreciation of history. But all of a sudden, this, the, the angel Gabriel stands before and, and says, your son, Jesus, she's not even married yet. Like, give her some time. But 
Your son, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. This guy she had heard about. David, like the David? He's going to have the throne of David? Do you remember where you're at? You're in Nazareth. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Now, now he name drops another, another giant of the faith. Jacob. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, this is the icing on the cake, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mind blown. Mary's mind is just like blown. So his reign will be forever and ever and ever. She had one part to play, but as soon as she said yes to the favor of God, as as soon as she was humble enough to say, okay, maybe God really is picking me. There's like this ripple effect, this explosion of, of the magnitude of saying yes to Jesus. It was so much bigger than her. It's God fulfilling millennia of prophecy. As she said yes to Jesus. And then the angel Gabriel, you know, as he's bringing her through all this, at this point, this is pretty um, readily believable for her, but in verse 37, when, when, the, when the angel Gabriel says, nothing will be impossible with God. If God can do all this stuff, nothing will be impossible for God. If God can pull off the miracle of all miracles, redeeming humanity through his perfect son, then he can do anything. And as you open yourself up to God's miraculous work in your life, you'll begin to realize as you look around the world around you that if he can redeem you, he can redeem anybody. If he can save you, if he can pluck you out of your trajectory, he can do a miracle in the person's life next to you. Not only that, when you say yes to the favor of God upon your life, there's a ripple effect for generations to come. There's a ripple effect in your spheres of influence. There's a ripple effect. It's always bigger than you. Yes, he's choosing you. Yes, he's picking you. Yes, you have uh, eternal value and significance before God. And he would die if you were the only one on the earth. He would give his life for you. But it's also, it's bigger than you. I apologize. Nothing is impossible with God. So I'm praying this Christmas season, as we immerse ourselves in the miraculous aspects of the Christmas story. That that would open up your hearts and your minds to believe again that God is a God of the miracle, a God of the miraculous. That if he can redeem us, if he can save us, if he can make a way for humanity to come into right relationship with us, yes, of course he can heal a body. Yes, of, of course he can soften the hardest heart in your family. Nothing is impossible with God. Just this week, I sat with somebody in our church who shared a testimony. During prayer times, during the service last week, she received prayer for a sore that had been on the side of her face for several weeks. And she was just getting ready to go to the doctor. But instead, God just intervened and healed her last Sunday morning. Praise God. Those significant miracles should open the door for our life to realize, oh yes, if God can do it there, he can do it again. It's the testimony of Jesus. That's the spirit of prophecy. He can do it again. And if he can save you, he can do it in someone else's life. If he can do that miracle, he can do another miracle today. Remember a significant moment in college when me and my wife were the front row of a, 
of a worship gathering. It was just kind of at the end of the service, and we were praying, and this woman was instantly healed of MS. Instantly healed. An incurable disease. That's, that's, not, that's a, a disease that's just horrific at the end of its, at the end of its um, path, and yet she's instantly healed. Ever since that moment, obviously we've prayed for others that have not received healing from MS, but ever since that, there's been this resolve in my heart. If he can do it there, he can do it again. I don't know the mystery of why sometimes he doesn't heal, but I know he can do it. Nothing is impossible with God. He did it once, he can do it again. I've seen people freed from addictions. And so I, I can't help myself when I stare into the eyes of someone facing addictions and believe God's best for their life, that they can be free from addictions as well. I don't know why for some it's in an instant and for others it's a process. But all I, I can do is muster up that faith in the truth of who God is and what he's revealed to me. And what he's revealed to me is that he is a God that sets people free. Time and time again, that's the story he wants to write over your life is he's going to free you from addictions and destructive thought patterns, destructive lifestyles. He's the God of the miraculous. When we begin to say yes to the favor of God, we realize, wow, this is, this is just the beginning. If he can do this in my life, he can do this in anybody's life. And we carry that, that, um, that attitude, that mindset into our spheres of influence into our homes, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods. Not only that, just like Mary in this moment at 14 or 15 years of age, she's having like a, probably a meltdown mentally of the, the scope of what the angel's revealing to her. Generations of fulfillment of prophecy and then also for generations to come, the fact that his reign will never end. So it is when you say yes to the favor of God, there is a ripple effect down through the ages as you say yes to Jesus and your family lineage for years to come of how God will use your story. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I want us to respond to God. I want to end with this story. After my, um, oh, there's a lot of people on the worship team. I feel, it felt like everyone is coming, coming forward. Just everybody join us. Um. After my mom passed away when I was seven years of age, a couple of years after that, my dad remarried. And in that remarriage, or in that marriage, um, I inherited three more siblings. So we were like the Brady Bunch, seven of us kids, four from my dad's side, three from my, from my new mom's side. Of those three step-siblings, I had a sister and two brothers. The younger brother, when he was two years old, he came down with bacterial meningitis. And from that battle with meningitis, he became completely deaf in one ear and mostly deaf in the other ear. So the only way he really was able to make it in this world uh, with his hearing was to have a hearing aid in the one ear that had partial hearing. But he had a tough, a tough road, a tough road in school, a tough road, a tough road ahead of him in our home. He spent years with speech, speech pathologists trying to, to remedy the damage that had been done. He, he made the most of it. I mean, he had a good attitude about it. I mean, if my mom was ever scolding him or, or trying to correct him, he would just turn his hearing aid off and, and claim to not be able to hear her. And see, he made the most of it. Also, I mean, it, we, we, there were seven of us. So we obviously shared bedrooms and 
whoever had to share a bedroom with them, it was, it was the worst because his, his, uh, his alarm clock had to vibrate his pillow and it was really high pitched too. It was the right tone for him to be able to hear it. It was, it was miserable. And then he would just be sleeping through and everyone's like, everyone's waking up and it's pretty miserable. Get a tough road. There's at a, a youth camp, 13, 14, 15, probably around the age of Mary here. He has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus calls him to preach. That's right. This high-strung ADD kid that's mostly deaf, that has a hard time even speaking, God calls him to preach. Just like Mary, he just tucked that away in his heart. Mary tucked it away in her heart, and she, she cherished these things, these, this, these treasures, that God's favor upon her life. He did that. He tucked it away. He continued doing what was right. You know, he received prayer for healing many times for his years. God never healed him. Not sure why. God's actually used him to heal other people of deafness, but he himself has remained unhealed. Not sure about why that is. But instead of getting bitter about it or distancing himself from God, he just continued to do the right thing. Just saying yes to the favor of God upon his life, realizing that it's bigger than him. It's just been cool to see him and God's work in his life. About 13 years ago, he moved to Las Vegas. That's right, a Midwest kid moving to Las Vegas and he's in ministry there and God is using him in cool ways. And then two years ago, him and his wife, they planted a church. It became one of the fastest growing church plants of that year with over 400 people in their first year. This was two years ago in Las Vegas. He married a girl from Vegas and they planted this church and God's using him. If you were to hear him preach today, you would never know that he had a speech problem or that he was even deaf. God has done such a work in his life as, he's, as, he's, as he has said yes to the favor of God upon his life. That can be the same for anybody in this place. God wants to open up your eyes to recognize the miraculous before you. He can redeem you. He can save you. Not only can he do, if he can do that, he can do anything. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in this place. I want us to respond to Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.